Welcome to Urwi Podcast with Susie Briggs and Alan McClure. In this episode, the muckle tumshi, wee sleepy sheepy, me and fancy dress, and a brand new Scottify challenge. Wrap your lugs around this, my friends. The Muckle Tumshi. Yen sunny morning, an old man woke up and decided to plant some tumshi seeds. He got his fork through the garden shed and prepared the grun. He dug out all the weeds and made sure there were no big stains. Then, with great care, he sprinkled the totty, tiny tumshi seeds in a row. He wrote the word tumshi onto an old ice lolly stick. He poked it into the grun so he can't worry planted the seeds. Every day he would wake up and gan out into his garden to look after the plants. He had carrots, peas, beans, leeks and tatties. He watered them every day and made sure no wee beasties were eating them and that they had plenty of warm sunshine. In just a few days, the old man noticed wee green leaves were starting to grow in the tumshi patch. Och, these are going to be broad tumshies, he says to himself. Tumshies grow awfully fast, but there was yin that was different for the others. This tumshi growed faster and bigger than all the rest. It wasn't long afore it was twice as muckle as the other tumshies. And the man was dumbfounded. I'm pretty sure I can see that thing growing, he proudly said to himself. But the tumshi didn't stop. It grew and grew, fatter and wider until it was a muckle tumshi. It was about the size of a car. Yende, the old man, decided it was time to poo up the muckle tumshi. We can hae this for our dinner, he says to his wife. I'm sure it will taste as good as it looks. So the old man grabbed the leaves of the muckle tumshi with both hands and pulped. And he pulped. And he pulped with all his micked. But he couldn't poo up the muckle tumshi. The man cried out to his missus and says, Margaret Hen, please, you're going to give us a wee horn here. It's too big to poo it up myself. So the man pulped the tumshi and the woman pulped the man. They pulped and pulped with all their necks and they couldn't poo up the muckle tumshi. So the woman cried out to a wee boy gone past the garden. Please, could you give us a wee hand to pull up this muckle tumshi? So the man pulled the tumshi, and the woman pulled the man, and the wee boy pulled the woman. They pulled and pulled with all their micked, but they couldn't pull up the muckle tumshi. Oh. 
lassie was walking past and the wee boy called out to her. Please could you kiss a wee hand to pull up this muckle tumshie? So the man pulped the tumshie and the woman pulped the man and the wee boy pulped the woman and the wee lassie pulped the boy and they pulled and they pulled with all their micked but they couldn't pull up the muckle tumshie. The wee lassie had a dug and she said to him, Please could you give us a wee hand to pull up this muckle tumshie? So the man pulped the tumshie, the woman pulped the man, the wee boy pulped the woman, the wee lassie pulped the boy, and the dog pulped the lassie. They pulled and pulled with all their mecht, but they couldn't pull up the muckle tumshie. So the dog saw a cat on the fence and barked. Could he give us a hand to pull up this muckle tumshie? But the cat just shrugged and didn't bother. He'd better things to do, like sitting in the sun doing nocht. So the dog asked a wee moose instead. Woof! Hey, wee pal, gonna give us a wee hand to pull up this muckle tumshie? So the man pulped the tumshie and the woman pulped the man and the wee boy pulped the woman. The wee lassie pulped the boy and the dog pulped the lassie and the moose pulped the dog. They pulled and pulled with all their mecht. There was a creak and a crack and then all of a sudden a great big pop. The muckle tumshie come fleeing out of the grun. The man fell onto the woman. The woman fell onto the boy. And the boy fell onto the lassie. And the lassie fell onto the dog. And luckily, the wee moose was fast and got out the road. Or it would have been moose mince. And what fell on top of the man? The most muckle tumshie anybody had ever seen. When Aubrey finished laughing, they picked themselves up off the grun. You can stay for your dinner if you like, said the old man and his wife to the wee boy, the wee lassie, the dog and the moose. The tumshie was delicious, and you can. It was so muckle, the old man had to use a saw to cut it up. And for what I can, we've no finished eating it yet. For Scottify, in which Susie challenges Alan to write a song about a Scots word. Hiya, Alan. Oh, hello, Susie. How are you? I'm tickety bounce. Oh, splendid. Me too. <laughs> good, good. Um, I've got a new Scottify challenge for you. Excellent. I've chosen it this time. Okay, and what have we got? We have the word. Well, life's a big fruit salad, that's what the teacher says Each of us contribute in a dozen different ways Some of us are sweeter and some of us are sour But there's a place for Abadea that you may be sure Now Jeannie, says the teacher 
I'd guess that she's a peach She's kind and warm and fuzzy And a pleasure for to teach Barry is bananas I think we'd all agree There's Janet Pomegranate And that's when she looks at me Now Sonny says the teacher Did he sit and roll your in? I'm sure you are the sweetest fruit That we have ever seen I drum high, he drum ho, you'll know what me, I'll have you know. The slightest bite with Gary Boke, I'm the foosty cherry at the bottom of the poke. He drum ho, a ho drum he, there's nae room in your bowl for me. The hail idea gangs up in smoke with a foosty cherry at the bottom of the poke. Hey! Now, teacher isn't he happy, pretend she hasn't heard. She kicks around the class as if I haven't said a word. Laura is a lime, she says, she's sharp and she is bright. And Django is a mango who will whet your appetite. Grace's grapes and clears a pair, I think you will agree. And jolly little Molly is a shiny strawberry. Oh, what a lovely mix we are, we each a special place. You'll know me saying that, says I, can you stuff me in your face? A hedrum high, a hedrum hay, no cherry red, but fuzzy grey. I'm no as nice as other folk, I'm the foosty cherry at the bottom of the poke. A hedrum high, a hodrum who, I will need taste my best for you. Fruit salad is a nasty joke, with a foosty cherry at the bottom of the poke. I'm feeling other clever, her stories she can keep. I've jammed a spanner in her works, her gas is at a peep. But teacher, she's still smiling, she stands and sings to me. The foostiest of cherries grows a bonny cherry tree. A hedrum high, a hedrum ho, we're here and we will watch you grow. Deep down you are a lovely bloke, the foosty cherry at the bottom of the poke. A hedrum ho, a hodrum hey, we can you blossom any day. Just see the beauty that awoke for the foosty cherry at the bottom, at the bottom of the poke. Me and Fancy Dress. Fancy dress. Abdi's at it. Halloween, Christmas parties, comic relief and children in need. I didna ken about you, but I canna be doing with it. Now I'm no a spoil sport or ocht. I love a good shindig as much as the next lad. But there's a good reason how I'll no get dressed up. And though the tale is dark and frichtsome, I'll share it with you now. In the tune where I grew up, the big fancy dress event was gala day in the summer. Folk would really go for it. You'd hear Chinese dragons, pantomime cuddies, werewolves, bogles, princesses and penguins. There'd be floats and all, lorries made to look like the Loch Ness Monster or pirate ships, desert islands and fairy tale castles. And this grand clan Jamfrey would parade up Main Street to the rattle of the marching band folk hanging out their windies so as no to miss a minute. The pavements would be filthy bursting with tourists and the traffic would come to a standstill. But the most important part of the day was the judging of the costumes. Competition was fierce. 
for the prize wasn't just a big silver trophy, cool though that was. You also won a free day pass to the shows, with unlimited rides. And why wouldn't he want to win that? Yin year, when I was about 11, I decided I was going to win the prize. I'd come close a couple of times. Just the year afore, I'd been in the running, dressed as a mad scientist with a test tube full of fizzing chemicals, but I lost to Jessica McGinty's glittery mermaid. I was furious. She hadn't even made the costume herself, just got her dad to buy it for the joke shop. Anyway, this year I was going to go all out. I'd decided to disguise myself as an alien, and I'd raided the kitchen top to bottom to get the best materials. I'd a colander on my head with two whisks for antennae. I used barbecue tongs as pincers, painted my face with green food colouring and wrapped myself in tinfoil for a shiny, crinkly spacesuit. It was dazzling. My mammy said I was sure to win, and you can, she wouldn't fib. Oot I went to join the parade. I couldn't help feeling sorry for the other wains. They'd nae chance. True, there were some bonny costumes. Frankensteins and vampires, ninjas and witches, all parading happily up the road, but I can't find the prize was in the bag. Now, in order to win, you'd to march the hail length of the road, so everybody could get a kick at ye. So off I went, waving my pincers at folk, and enjoying the looks of awe they were casting in my direction. The sun was shining, glinting off my spacesuit, the band was rat-a-tatting, and I was donnering along with a spring in my step, thinking about which ride at the shows I would get on first with my free pass. When all of a sudden, the weirdest, ooriest thing happened. It was as if time just stopped. All the merchant wains froze where they stood. Birds hung motionless in the air. A squish of water coming out a cowboy's water pistol was stuck, glittering in mid-air. What's this, I says. I started waving my hands in folks' faces to try and whack them up, but there was nothing. And then I heard the weirdest sound, a kind of whooshing, reeshling swish, as out of the sky came a wee silver ball, barreling right out the blue towards us. Afore I could react, it blutered into me, picked me off the ground, and in a blinding flash, transported me somewhere completely different. I thought I'd faint it, and was having a dream. I was standing in a shining white room, with screens all round the walls. In the middle of the flare was a big, round hole, and I thought it must be another screen, for it was showing a picture of the planet Earth. The hail planet, mind, hanging quietly in space. And that's when I twigged. It wasn't a screen. It was a windy. I'd been transported into a genuine, actual spaceship. As you can probably imagine, this was a fair bit to tack in. I mean, how could it even be possible? I started looking round for clues, but I couldn't make heed nor tail of the symbols on the screens. Just then, though, a door swished open, and these three figures come striding on in. And you can us. They was all dressed exactly like me. Silver spacesuits, twa antennae, pincers for hands, and bricked green faces. Ah, Commander, says the yin in the middle. There you are. We have awaited your return from the puny planet. Now, 
one thing these things had that I didn't was some ugly-looking laser guns, so I didn't think this was the time to be smart. Eh? Oh, aye, I says. That's me back, right enough. What's been going on, boys? Well, they all kind of looked at each other as if they couldn't quite understand me. The middleian spoke again. I guessed he was my second in command. Forgive me, Commander, he says, but you appear to have picked up some strange earthling inflections in your speech. Perhaps we should undertake a mind wipe. Um, no, no, you're fine, I says. I didn't like the sound of a mind wipe one wee bit. Eh, uh, just like uh, trying to fit in in that, you can. The three of them stared at nodding awa, their antennae bouncing about through their colander-shaped helmets. Of course, goes my new pal. Assimilation is an excellent strategy during the surveillance phase. However, we are now ready to move to full invasion, and then it will be the puny earthlings who must learn to speak like us. I had no idea what to say to that, but it fair gied us a sinking feeling. As if that wasn't bad enough, the view out the windy now showed Hunter's mere spaceships all slinking into battle formation. Things weren't looking good, I can tell ye. These pathetic earthlings are so soft and weak, I am amazed no one has invaded them already. All you have to do, sir, is say the word, and our battle fleet is ready for action. The wee lad glanced at his twa pals and loosened his collar a wee bit. I could swear he was a wee bit fleggit, to be honest. That is, he went on, assuming your mission did not reveal any hidden strengths we should know about. I had to think fast. Apart from anything else, I was needing to get back to the parade to claim my prize. And then a bonny thought struck us. The parade, of course. Oh, I goes, aye, eh, I was meaning to tell yous. I think the game's a bogey, Ken. Thon earthlings, they're no just as harmless as we thought. Here, have we got a wee scanner you can hear a kick through? I'll have to show you something. They took us out to a control panel and told me how to use it. It was a bit like zooming in on Google Earth, Ken. Nay bother to the likes of me. I got the scanner zoomed right into my ain hame tune and focused on the very spot they'd hauled us up for moments before. Check this out, I says. I scanned up and down the street, and all we could see was wains in the most fearsome outfits. Monsters, ghouls, demons and warriors, with trucks dressed as dinosaurs and whales and tanks. See, I says, they're a frithsome bunch. To be absolutely honest, I didn't think we stand a chance. I swear, the wee fella in front of me looked relieved. I didn't think his hair was really in this invasion business. How unfortunate, he says. I suppose I'd better call off the fleet then. And that's just what he did, making an announcement through a giant intercom. All the wee spacecraft stopped, turned round, and zipped off back to where they can Of course, that left me in a bit of a pickle. The ship I was on was about to make the same jump, and I didn't much want to end up commander of an alien fleet. I looked back at the scanner hang me, still zoomed in on the parade, and I noticed a wee button next to the image. It had a symbol on it, like the wee silver ball that had stared at all the trouble, and I thought to myself, 
That must be the transporter. I hadn't much time to hink it o'er. I jabbed the button just as my companions were about to hit the hyperspace drive. And sure enough, wheeking through the cabin came the wee silver ball, smacking us richt atween my inn and zipping straight back to Main Street, with a parade just about winding up. Now, you're probably thinking that's how I didn't get dressed up only me, right? The trauma o' being kidnapped by alien invaders. Well, you're rang. It was a bit bumbazelin' richt enough, but it wasn't the worst thing that happened that day. You see, while I was still getting my bearings, no quite believing my luck at being back amongst my pals, I heard an announcement over the loudspeaker. Ladies and gentlemen, it says, we're all delighted to announce the winner of this year's Grand Fancy Dress Prize. No, that can't be right, I thought. I shoved my way through the crowd to where the main stage was, and there was the provost, all happy and swish. And do you ken where she was handing the trophy to? The actual alien commander. There he was, up on stage, silvery spacesuit reachling awa and antennae burling happily on his head. He took the trophy and went after the shows, leaving me stonin' like a stookie in the crowd. Here you, says Jessica McGinty, coming up a hentness in a princess outfit. You shouldn't copy other folks' costumes. That lad won it fair and square. I won't get your own ideas next time. And that, my friends, is how I never, ever get dressed up. Only mere. The Wee Sleepy Sheepy Wee Sleepy Sheepy was outside in the famer's field and he was feeling guy puggled. He wanna up and down the field looking for a nice wee place to hear a nap. Some bit that was peaceful would be perfect. So he wanna up and he wanna down. Wee Sleepy Sheepy spied a sunbeam kicking through the clouds and he followed it to a patch of grass just by some hillocks. It looked fair, peaceful and cosy, so he streaked out his tired legs and gave a big yawn. Oh, I'm fair puggled, he said to himself and he closed his eyes. But no sooner had he fell into gentle slumber, three wee mappies came louping out of their bury. The first wee mappy pointed and scraped. What's that? The second mappy shrugged his shoulders and shouted. Why would I ken what it is? The third bigger mappy went over and sniffed, and she shouted. It smells boofing. It's a rumbly mingin' woolly mountain. Let's climb it! The three mappies pulped at wee sleepy sheepy's wool and clambered up onto his back. Wee sleepy sheepy wasn't impressed. He got up and shuggled the mouth. Shuggle, 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 thump, thump, thump. 
The muppies were laughing and rolling about in the grass. They weren't caring. They had had good fun. Wee sleepy sheepy won at the wah, thinking to sail. Well, that was nae peaceful. Some bit happy would be nice to tuck a nap in. So he wandered up and down, and he wandered down the field again. Sin he spied an old rickly byre at the bottom of the field. As he wandered closer, he saw some saft straw spilling out onto the grun. He thought it looked gay comfy, so he went in the door, and in the byre there was a coo chewing cud and a muggle craw in the windy. Wee sleepy streepy streaked out his tired legs and gave a big yawn. I'm fair puggled, he said to himself, and closed his in. Nay sooner had he fell into gentle slumber, the coo started to blether to the craw. This place is freezing. Nay wonder. Hey, look at that gap under the door. I'm fair fed up, so I am. The crow shrugged his shoulders and said, Caw! Caw! Wee sleepy sheepy stirred and tried to get to sleep again. The coo gurned again. This place is boofing. Nay wonder. It's not been cleaned out since I've been in here. Nay I'm fair scunnered, so I am, the crow said, Caw! and he flew awaw. Wee sleepy sheepy thought the crow had the right idea, and he decided to sneak out to the byre as well. Nay sooner was his behookie at the door, the coo gurned again. Moo! Nobody ever listens to me! Moo! I'm fair scunnered, so I am. Sleepy sheepy wandered away thinking to himself, Well, that was no happy place to be. I wonder where I can gan to tuck a wee nap. Some bit that's happy and peaceful would be perfect. So he wandered up and down the field again. Then he spied it. There in the corner of the field was a muckle beech tree. At its roots there was a patch of warm, soft moss dappled with the sunshine. The branches of the muckle tree were swaying in the wind. Swish, 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 swish. As we sleepy sheepy got nearer, he could hear fairy voices singing in the branches. Swish, 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 a sway. Sweet yin, come rest here the day. Swish, 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 a sweet. We will wish your worries away. Swish, 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 a sweet. Sweet yin, come rest here the day. Swish, swish, swish. Sweet. We will wish.
wee sleepy sheepy streaked out his tired legs and gave a big yawn. I'm fair puggled. Then he closed his in. Just afore he fell into gentle slumber, he kicked Yenno's in open, smiled to his cell and whispered. Magic! You've been listening to Our Wee Podcast with Susie Briggs and Alan McClure. All stories and songs by Alan and Susie, and the music and production was also by Alan. This is the last episode of the pilot phase, folks, and we'd like to thank everyone who's been along for the ride. Keep your ear peeled for Our Wee Podcast Live, coming soon, and fingers crossed for a wee bit funding so we can come back with mere stories, songs and nonsense for you in the very near future. Take care of yourselves. All the best.